0: Four, three, two. I'm not a spaceship. All right, cool. So, live again. Thanks for everybody coming back and uh, taking another listen to what's your f and binge uh, again. A podcast brought to you by Joe and Chris. I'm two Chris and One mic and, and two assholes and one mic. And uh, I'm Joe. Uh, no, I'm I'm that's Joe and I'm Chris and I'm Chris. <laughs> 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 uh. This, so, is, uh, <laughs> this, this time, you're it's homie. Yeah. It's uh, been a real interesting weekend for me. I've been able to get onto uh, quite a few Facebook forums and, and some podcaster uh, nooks and the internet and pick up a lot of guests, so we've been able to get a lot of uh, material uh, here over the past weekend, so that's what my weekend's been like, uh, other than watching the football playoffs and working in between. I've been able to get us quite a few uh, interviews lined up and everything, which has been fun. Meeting yeah. people from Ohio and Pennsylvania and California and Florida and New York and shit. So, you know, what your effing bitch is uh, going nationwide, man. You know, how's nationwide. your week
1: been? Like, uh, <laughs> like Billy Gibbons and them dudes say nationwide. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, mine's, mine's, uh, about the same as always just uh you know serving the entitled the uh overprivileged mm-hmm. at the rehab um, facility uh right you, you know which is uh they're all nice don't get me wrong <sighs> sometimes some of them can be a little taxing though i'm sure you're dealing with some like
0: super self-indulgent people not necessarily the rich and famous but people who are
1: do you got it? Do you have anybody
0: who like snaps their fingers at you and expects service? Have you had to deal with any of that kind of shit? Uh
1: yeah, I've I've had one or two and I've had a couple where I've just kind of had to, you know, because so how it works is yeah, you know, we're basically like we're supposed to uh supply these guys with pretty much whatever they need within reason that we're, you know, able to give them. Keep them comfortable really, and make sure yeah, life keeps going. Yeah, we're and we're really it. not allowed to like respond with the the old Newton's equal and opposite reaction if they like clip out on us, um, which for <laughs> me is incredibly <laughs> difficult, dude. Because I've had to okay. freaking fight and argue and and uh you know stand up for myself my whole life. Um, yeah. So for someone to just you know be pissed off because there's no prunes out on the breakfast bar and start barking orders at me to find some prunes um <laughs> no this, this is a, a true this is a true story this, this guy is, got, this is really about his fucking Jesus prunes Christ. yes yeah and i was like oh yes right away sir i'll see what i can do uh you know we'll just find the fucking prunes like all right dude so i had to I need to, I need to be regular <laughs> i need to yeah yeah i had to kind of just take a step back and uh
0: Gather myself Take a deep breath. for a
1: minute. Yeah. yeah, go into customer service mode. Uh, when I did drop his stupid fucking prunes off to him. Um, what
0: what's your what's your go to internally whenever something like that goes on? What's your internal talk like whenever whenever you're like getting yourself calibrated to actually deal with this fucking Momo?
1: Um, well, it's I, I like I said I I kind of have to I have to stop and really 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 you know think. Um, very carefully before, and a lot of times the most of them are really not. When you get one guy who's just like angry about something, you're like, well, you know, I'll do my best. You kind of just um baffle him a bullshit, you know what I mean? Right. And and just kind of uh, you know, do your best to to not lose your shit and right, you know, just kind of sir, okay, call. you know, there's no reason to get upset. We'll see what we can do for you kind of thing. But that's uh-huh. about as far as you can take it. You, you know, you really can't respond with how you, you would want to like, dude, get the hell out of my face, go out there, you know, cause me coming yeah. from a restaurant background and, you know, if, you know, running restaurants and just say, well, you know what, sir, you can go ahead and take your business elsewhere. It's, that's not, yeah. that's not applicable. They're, here. they're paying, they're paying a pretty, uh, they a pay lot a more lot than of just money.
0: a pretty, yeah, right? yeah. They're paying more than a pretty penny just to be there, and and probably in a lot of cases you're dealing, like a situation like that comes up with someone who's just having a super asshole day. Like it's probably their first week of intake, and they're like really having a hard time dealing with the reality of what they're most, doing or whatever.
1: yeah, most of them. That's when it happens is their first week or two, where they're you know still dealing with uh you know adjusting to to everything. Uh, this guy, however, he was. I guess he'd been there for a while, and he was used to having prunes on the breakfast bar, and they weren't out there.
0: <laughs> that just cracks um, me up, man, hearing somebody getting ate up over prunes. And oh, breakfast. yeah,
1: yeah, and, you, you know, I be- I had never – I didn't, had no idea that this guy ever ate prunes, and the, I didn't even know who he was, um, you know, so I was definitely taken aback when he's, you know, in my face about some prunes, and I, I just I like, <laughs> well – you know, we rotate all the stuff that's out there. We only have X amounts of slots to to put, you know, you know, breakfast bar items, and you know, sometimes they get rotated out.
0: Well, they've been out
1: here, you know, the whole time. Like, well, okay, I'll see what I can do. Um, we might be out of them, you know. We'll just find all the right. fucking prunes. Like, all right, dude. And <laughs> uh, uh, that was pretty much verbatim how how the how it went jesus Uh, christ you can't get with like you know well
0: you know what they might be out of season you may not like what we have you can't yeah
1: well they're canned prunes or you know okay um but yeah i mean i i was very very proud of not you know losing my job that day um Uh
0: (laughs) tummy (laughs) sticks would have been fired in about 30 fucking seconds i promise yeah
1: yeah (laughs) it's it takes a lot of patience there um it really does you've and i had other i've had other guys that just kind of pop off sm- slick with some things and i i kind of come back a little less subtle with you know my own my own remarks right and, but you know yeah, you've always you,
0: you've always been far more patient than i am in those kinds <laughs> of situations you've yeah. always been had the, the knack of being able to bite your tongue whenever that's the best <laughs> option and i i never really have so you know yeah
1: yeah, there would have been a
0: tirade of f bombs at that point in time. Well, get your own fucking prunes, motherfucker. You're in the middle of Arizona. Cocksucker. Yeah, find me a yeah. prune <laughs> right tree.
1: Yeah. Oh, you got prunes <laughs> out in your limo? Okay, we'll go grab them.
0: Yeah, that's neither here nor there, though. But, right,
1: but that is funny, but, yeah. man. That's
0: that's an interesting yeah. way to
1: to get through your day. That's for sure. It's yeah. It, well, that was first thing in the morning. So that was, oh, I, God, yeah. I think I'd had like three sips of coffee and, um, yeah, you're you costing
0: that net- net for the next fucking four hours. If that's your first fucking interaction of the day.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it definitely had a chance to really go, uh, the wrong way <laughs> quick.
0: So, <laughs> well, kudos to you, man. I definitely would yeah. not have been able I've gotten better with age, but in a situation where a person is like being highly demanding, and I'm like, dude, I'm just fucking. uh, Like, can I pick up your, can I pick up your fucking trash right now? In the meantime, or something? I would, I (laughs) would have. God damn, I would have lost my nuts on that. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was something. It was something. So yeah, just throw
0: a bag of prunes on the table. Here you go, motherfucker. (laughs) Open them yourself. Here you
1: go. Just, (laughs) just mic drop the prunes and. Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: <It's, laughs> oh, that's definitely a tough gig. It, it, uh, you know, because bartending and everything, like I've been doing for the past few years, and dealing with, you know, pretty high volume restaurant shit and everything. You, you have the the customers that you can, it, at yeah. least in my case, I can be like you know, hey, will take this table because yeah. we're not jiving that, that well, right, and switch right. off to another server and, and just get out of the line of fire or whatever, you know, but you, right. you don't get the option to do that. So that's, well, uh,
1: that's, <laughs> yeah, not, not usually if there's someone else around, I mean, I'll be like, Hey, can you take care of this guy? Cause I'm going to, you know, I, he may end up with something in his nuts or something. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and
0: plus you do have to be, you know, you know. I'm sure a lot of those people are pretty self indulgent on what they're in there on what they're rehabbing for or whatever. But in some cases, I mean, me and you have been around the block more than a couple times. You sometimes you got to look at them and be like, yeah, this motherfucker's having a real rough day, withdrawn or whatever. Yeah. But uh, you know, if it's not if not that situation, it's hard to be sympathetic. I'm sure.
1: Yeah, it is. It is, and there's a lot of time. Like I can. I'll usually know who the new people are because you'll see them kind of just wandering around out there in the dining area and, you know, not really knowing when breakfast is or lunch and you can kind of, yeah, just they're see obviously them. lost. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm really cool with them toward that. You know, I'll, I'll strike up a conversation with them and, and, uh, you know, joke around with them and stuff. And like I said, like 90% of them are, are, you know, pretty cordial and, and friendly, even, even if they do have like a sense of, a. Uh, you know, entitlement or, or, or something, or, or they feel like, you know, they have the privilege of you (laughs) taking care of them. Um, Right.
0: Right. Yeah. They're like, they're like, you're working on my dime motherfucker. You could probably tell that person as soon as they walk in. Yeah.
1: But yeah, there's, there's uh, a, yeah, I can't really talk about any of the, you know, the patients per se. Um, But yeah, there's, there's been a lot of, uh, there's, there's been most of them are just, you know, normal people, dude. They really are. With, you know, yeah.
0: At the we, end of the day, whenever you're own. dealing with some,
1: whenever you're dealing with
0: some sort of problem like that, and it's life-altering, and you got to get off the juice, or you know, you got to deal with whatever disorder you're going with, and you know, it, I mean, we're all people at the end of the day, and then you know, some yeah. people just think that they're more important, and it, that comes with the territory. I mean, you could deal with that with just. Walking down Main Street, any town, USA, and and see people who think that they're more more important or entitled, and it's just like, dude, you, we put on our pants the same way. Just mind don't, don't say Gucci like yours, right? Do, you know, but that I'm I am less man. You know, that's fucking <laughs> sure. <laughs>
1: I'm less man because I don't own the Guccis. You're, you know, yeah, know. <laughs> that's accurate. Yeah,
0: yeah, I get it. I get it. So, uh. Yeah been a um been a cool weekend and everything and uh uh excited about tonight's show this is uh, I don't know how long we're going going to go this is I it feels definitely like we could very easily make this a two-parter and if it is then I will release the two parts uh um, um uh back to back in the same week because it is a Oscar related special and uh I want it to be, you know, pertinent to the time. There's no use in doing an Oscar special after the Oscars. Everybody's doing theirs before. So if it ends up running two parts, then so be it. Everybody just gets bonus content this week and, and uh you know we'll see how it goes. Um you wanna give the uh the uh a little bit of a backstory on, on what we're doing this week, man, how you're doing yours and, and I'll cover how I'm doing mine and we can you, jump into it.
1: Yeah, let me uh let me wipe some of the freaking it's hard to read it because i dumped bubbles yeah that's another true awesome. study yeah my kid goes crazy for fucking bubbles dude and uh <laughs> I, I bought she we have like these wands they're like wand. they're almost like little um uh, i don't know they look like a sheath for like a sword or a saber or something and it's got this light yeah they're like you little pull mini out. yeah, yeah you big, pull it out and it's bubble. got the, yeah. the four little holes you blow them And she, dude, she'll Uh shake it up. It's a fun game for her to shake it up and agitate the bubbles so they they don't work anymore. And so I'll be blowing them, and they just kind of, you know, do nothing. So I have to to set it down and try to find another one. And she will just go (laughs) berserk, dude. I mean, she'll hit the floor, smash her hands in the floor, and just, like, freak out. She has the same reaction for if she, she, (laughs) you know, is walking in her footies and falls. Um on the linoleum that she does for if she doesn't have her bubbles uh so we got we got to awesome. work on on how <laughs> we, we got to work on her nut ups a little bit have different levels of uh you um, know huh? i don't know if she's hurt Make or me she's a bicycle pissed. funny yeah. man yeah yeah but really i mean she will <laughs> she'll go from zero to piss like that dude so uh, let me uh yeah man while you're
0: while you're getting that while you're getting that ready i'll give everybody the premise and then we can kind of uh yeah back up a little bit on how we're doing our individual so this week what we're doing uh uh, for the listeners out there is joe and i uh we watch the oscars every year and and whenever joe lived here in town we always made it a thing that we would all get together and have an oscar party and we would do a top 10 list of whatever kind of random subject uh was going going on at you know at the time that we planned it we've done uh most uh the craziest scenes ever in movies or we've even done like the hottest chicks ever in movies or um <laughs> just you know just dumb shit like that we're not really worried about this year's yeah. winners
1: Oscars uh, so oscar much snubs, we that was that was one of my yeah. favorites
0: yeah the biggest oscar snubs that was probably one of my favorite ones we ever did um, but uh uh we we uh pull a random subject out of the out of the hat and make it pertinent to the oscars but we don't include any of this year's uh nominees so um in that vein this year we are doing most in- influential oscar nominated or oscar winning movies of our lifetime so for for my part of it that means from 1970 uh on and for joe's part that's from 77 on um so um uh, all of mine that i chose for the list do uh, are oscar winners whether it's (laughs) uh um for um you know best soundtrack or whatever they did at least win one oscar whenever they came out um but uh uh they're not all super powerhouse movies. You're not gonna. You're not gonna find me having. You know, like uh, uh, Philadelphia Titanic, on Titanic's not oh, on there, bro. I, <laughs> fucking Titanic is definitely not fucking on there. All that is is just a fucking story about an old chick remembering some good dicks she got before she fucking crashed in the boat. That's all that movie is, man. So I have no fucking use for it.
1: Okay. Well, um. Um. <laughs>
0: What what's yours, mate? What what? So, how'd you? Uh, how'd yeah. You so your... when
1: we when we talked about most influential movies, I didn't really look at it as like an Oscar uh, kind of thing. So okay, I will say that the majority of, of the movies on my list uh, have Oscar nominations for best picture. There's a few that uh since since you're like no dude, it's Oscar uh, shit. So I made sure that they all tied in to uh, the Oscars <laughs> in some form or another um but my list is okay. just most influential movies on me uh you know and bear in mind i don't think any of these there might be one that's in my top 10 all time favorite movies um so okay. yeah, my there's list there's only is, a couple is, is a lot different you know the movies are some of my favorites you're not going to see unfortunately like pulp fiction which is to me the closest thing to the the most perfect movie ever made um and it's, right. one, of my, it's right. one of my all-time favorites. It's not going to be on this list just because, I mean, definitely it, it didn't influence me uh, at all, really. I mean, other than the fact that the first time I watched it, I went back and rewound. It was a double uh, VHS, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> so I had to take the second uh, tape out, put the first tape back in. I watched it back to back. Uh, so, I mean, no, really. and it, uh, But as far as, like, influencing my life, not so much. It's it's just a really really good watch for right. two hours and thirty two minutes or whatever. Um, I
0: took the uh, the influential part uh, uh, kind of as a as, as literal, so I only included movies. There's only one movie in my entire list that is um, post 1990 because um, influential to me means that you're young enough to be influenced and it kind of sets up what you look for you know later on in life so i didn't i didn't span my entire five thousand years on planet earth i only included the first 20
1: so um (laughs) so you got a bunch of uh film noir on there from the 40s then huh yeah yeah Yeah, okay (laughs) Um,
0: so and only during the time of 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 me being born so obviously i'm leaving out you know um uh, War of the Worlds or um you know y- any of the uh truly epic and iconic black and whites that should be on anybody's top ten list they're not gonna make it on on this because they were made uh well before I was ever uh well before I ever came around, so I only included right. what what has come out during my lifetime yeah and
1: me as well I, that that uh, part I did uh, sorry, go ahead
0: okay yeah and just just during the time that i could say that i was young enough to still be influenced as well you know these 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 movies definitely dictated what my my viewing fare is for the remainder of my life and kind of what i judge most current movies i judge them against a lot a lot of these on this list on you know it 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 That it it holds that water and all of these movies i had to redo the list one other time because i wanted it to include movies that still held up um that you can watch again now and it it was still as it's still as good watching it now as it was then so right
1: okay yeah uh i did i did get the uh within my lifetime thing i I did get that when our when we had our phone conversation (laughs) about this but then yeah. I didn't really make the Oscar tie-in. I I should have because we were talking about let's do an Oscar episode, and then you know we kind of said so what's the most influential movies. So, but each one of these uh does have uh like a six degrees of bacon, so they will tie into the Oscars gotcha. at some point. Somebody involved has uh some Oscar uh juice okay. behind them. Okay. So.
0: All right, so that means both of our lists are going to be entirely different, which Quite is different. always fun. Yeah. So
1: we may have i'm gonna Um, i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that we're gonna have one that's the same
0: yeah i was i was gonna i was gonna say i think we probably have two but definitely one is going to be on here for sure i think two yeah um so uh without further ado uh we will get into this and um I, this time, uh, I will give honorable mention. Um, uh, without any detail, I will just name off the two or three movies that make my honorable mention list. This list is going to definitely lead to more than enough talk time to fill up a show or two. So I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on, on honorable mentions. Um, uh, but uh, we'll go ahead and just go uh, our usual route and and go from 10 and count up from Count up to one. Is that the gist of it? That's how you want to do it, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't see why. Okay. My, my wife's yeah. not here, so there's no reason to start at one first and go backwards.
0: <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Her and my wife both. I think they did. They both yeah. did that, not just once, but multiple times no, yeah. at, at our Oscar shows. Yeah. Yeah, so.
1: <laughs> it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's funny. We, you well, know, you what we're what not list started? have you Even ever taken one? part in where they started <laughs> at the best? Yeah. Moments? Uh, yeah,
0: it's like yeah. What countdown list have you ever fucking listened to that starts out at? There's nowhere to go if you start out at number one. goddammit, you just ruined it. But yeah. Um, anyways, so go ahead, bro. Do your do uh roll in.
1: Okay, so for me, I have a couple of honorable mentions. Um, and these are quite quite a uh the first one's quite obscure. It's an independent film, um, and it's it's influential on me just because I've had more than one um i've lost more than one friend to uh to suicide so the first one is uh risk cutters a love story um and it's it's basically about this guy who commits suicide um and anyone who commits suicide in this movie is sent to like a weird purgatory which is like a, it's, it's shot in sepia. So it's just like this dreary ra- wasteland that looks kind of like, um, you know, Western, Eastern California, kind of around Barstow and all that. I mean, it's, it's, there's just not a lot there. It's a real dreary place and they kind of hang out there until the people in charge decide that they're able to move on to the next, um, you know, the better place or whatever uh and it's basically kind of an anti-suicide um, um movie it's from 2006 and it stars patrick fugit who you may know him from the, as the kid from almost famous and uh shea wiggum who's oscar nominated so there's my tie-in there uh will arnett okay. also has a uh, has a small role in it and shannon softman tom wait's guy right? any movie with Tom Waits is just legit so so that's it i do recommend if you can find it i recommend that you look it up that it's it's really good and the soundtrack on it is by a band called go go bordello who are really really amazing so check that out um okay and the other one is from 86 this is a little movie you probably heard of called platoon um, <laughs> yeah yeah it's it basically just it's a microcosm of uh, the Vietnam War. It's about a a uh, kind of well-to-do uh, guy played by Charlie Sheen who actually uh, volunteers to enlist in Vietnam. Um, he kind of feels like it's a sense of obligation to do it, uh, and it basically just uh, covers a whole almost a whole year uh, of his tour uh, inside a platoon that's that's basically ran by two different sergeants who kind of run it two different ways. It's, it's a really, really good movie. It's, it's on, should be on everyone's short list of greatest movies all time. Um,
0: Yeah. Whenever I was looking um, through that, that definitely appeared um, as a possibility for me on, on mine. And uh, I, if I remember correctly on rankers, all time movie list, that shows up as a top 20. I believe it's like number 18 or 19 yeah. greatest yeah. movie all time. So
1: uh-huh. yeah, it's directed it was definitely by.
0: groundbreaking.
1: It's directed by Oliver Stone and it's, I mean, everybody knows someone who's been affected by the Vietnam war, uh, either an uncle a grandfather, uh, maybe even like a father a brother, you know, a cousin, a nephew, anyone. I mean, everybody knows somebody that served in Vietnam and, um you know how they've come back and they're uh, when they returned from that war i mean they were not welcomed as heroes they were not welcomed as as uh i mean anything and it's for through no fault of their own they were kind of chastised for their service there and they seriously most of them suffer from going on yeah yeah most of them suffers from some fucking serious ptsd and that's an issue i think that really needs to be addressed um so that's why I made that an honorable mention. okay, so yeah, and now, for right. my number ten, go ahead. Um, karate Kid <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah hey, man, this is a, a movie from my childhood from nineteen eighty four. It's directed really cool. by John G. Avelson, who is an oscar I believe he's an Oscar winner for a little film called Rocky. so. Uh huh. He was nominated. I, he did not win. I apologize. Um, I believe wasn't he?
0: Uh, wasn't he nominated because he adapted the story to screenplay?
1: He was the director of Rocky. He, gotcha. he directed. Okay. Uh, right. Yeah, my bad. So that's my Oscar tie in there. Um, okay. This story kind of it, it hit for me because again, I up until that point, I watched like a lot. Of, I was. Let's see, when it came out, I was like six, I was seven. And when I saw, I think I was eight. So I watched a lot of cartoons and Uh, like a lot of sports and stuff before. I wasn't really into too many movies. There was a few that I saw. One of them you'll see later on my list um, that really influenced me. But until then, there wasn't a lot of live action movies that I really got into. But this one kind of touched a nerve for me uh, for the simple fact that it it involves a kid, Daniel LaRusso um who's kind of uprooted from his from his home and relocated all the way across country kind of against his will his mom you know got another job a better paying job and she wants to do right by him of course he's a single from a single parent household which I was as well and yeah. i did a lot of moving my father i moved sometimes i moved three or four times in a school year so i had to make new friends just like this kid and any of these movies where you see where the kid just like shows up at a new place and he's like instantly popular and the cool kid it's fucking bullshit yes. it is fucking so unreal bullshit, yeah man. totally unreal yeah, yeah. let you drive and, up
0: in a fucking you know like a classic corvette or something you're right. not gonna be the
1: most popular right. guy right um so, so and it's you, you know that that part really really uh resonated with me and then he was kind of bullied by some of these other guys um by these guys who were you know, really into karate and stuff and he, he kind of had to learn to to fight you know to fight to get respect which you know is kind of you know we've all had to do it right so right you know um, yeah. Man and can't go a little
0: without having something happen to him That's you're sure.
1: right oh so i think i first saw this when i was living in montrose or er, montrose colorado um and for 3 months i i actually talked my dad into letting me you know take karate classes you know so for 3 months i was i was out there kicking and and doing uh some taekwondo and shit and then of course we moved again so that was the end of that but for 3 months i was a badass um, <laughs> so so that's that's what i got on that um karate kid okay. if you haven't heard of it look it up not the not the new one with uh jaden smith and and um jackie, jackie chan. chan jackie chan's the yeah. nicest guy in the world right such a nice guy but this uh this is the original and it's 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 really worth looking up you'd see it ralph Macchio and ralph Macchio. um yeah Pat
0: and, the, and elizabeth, Shue plays the, the yeah.
1: elizabeth Shue plays the love interest who is um, still beautiful uh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. For being no, a uh,
0: Hollywood uh, child star, or at least in her teens, she's come out uh, on right. the other side as still being intact and, and still quite lovely. Yeah,
1: Very much so. Very much so. Um, and we talked about it a few episodes back. Uh, there's a spinoff of this movie that's out right now that's really good. It's a TV series. You guys should look up Cobra Kai. So there's my plug yeah. for that. Once
0: again, that, that shows up um, on our uh, uh, Chris and Joe's uh, current picks uh, episode number three. Of our series uh that is definitely a plug for that and uh which i have watched a couple episodes of and and got the nostalgia and and instantly uh was digging it so yeah
1: yeah cool yeah so that's uh that's that's my number 10 right there
0: gotcha all right so for me um my uh, uh honorable mentions the reason they fall into honorable mention category for me first and foremost is they, uh, they were nominated for Oscars and golden globes. However, they did not win it. And, uh, 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 movie number one of both series, which between the two of them, there are nine movies between them. They became just incredible franchises and they're definitely the, um, uh, the fathers of, or the, you know, they're definitely the, uh, the first ever of their kind, as far as the buddy comedy, uh, action genre. And, uh, that is both Die Hard and Lethal Weapon. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, which I was surprised. I was going to leave Lethal Weapon off of it. I knew Die Hard had been nominated, but I was surprised to see that Lethal Weapon actually was, uh, they're just uh, good, silly nonsense, uh, uh, with, uh, someone going through an impossible situation. And, coming out the other end of it alive and being the hero um, yes. Uh, mostly with die hard and lethal weapon you get the buddy comedy uh aspect of it they bring in joe pesci during the series you have renee uh renee russo which i can't uh speak highly enough of how much of a fan of her i am i've i've always called her the uh foreman's julia roberts but i think she's even way better than julia roberts to be honest without the uh uh, what was that one fucking movie that Julia Roberts did that uh, where she uh, represented all the people that got cancer? The Aaron Oh, Brockovich. yeah. yeah Aaron if, Renee Ru- yep. if Renee R- Russo had ever been cast for a role such as that, she would be just as popular and just as big as Julia Roberts, I think. Uh, she's a, a super classy chick and, and all that good stuff. But the two movies themselves... They go on to create a franchise of which Die Hard is still currently going. They just had a release of the uh, uh, A Good Day to Die Hard that came out in 2014. So, yeah, I, I love
1: how they reword every one of them. <laughs> yeah, I
0: know it, right? <laughs> every every title has the keywords in it, but there's a little bit of a yeah. re, uh, rework in yes. it. And uh, um, of course, Bruce Willis uh, became an icon because of that, a, Holly, a true Hollywood heavyweight. Involved with uh ends up later becoming involved with uh you know Arnold and and Sylvester Stallone, they create the Planet Hollywood deal and and all that stuff. And and uh,
1: yeah, of course, that you was... have Mel
0: Gibson on uh on the other side who uh outside of uh Passion of Christ uh became just a complete and total crazy fucking lunatic as time went on, which makes it even better in my <laughs> right. opinion. Uh, yeah. because he he has he has clearly obviously lost his mind over the past 30 years.
1: Uh yeah. <laughs> At this point, yeah, I would say that's that's accurate. He's <laughs> Well, uh,
0: and then yeah. uh my other honorable mention is <clears throat> the Terminator.
1: Okay.
0: Uh uh the Terminator uh was um a movie that was almost not made the way that we see it now, almost not made entirely first and foremost, but also not made the way that is such a, an iconic role for Arnold. He was never cast as the Terminator. He was not even on the short list of who the lead actors were. Um, the only lead uh, acting position in that movie that held true and, and ended up staying the the same throughout the entire uh series is of course um uh, uh fuck i can't think of her name right now Save chick, me on right? This.
1: yeah yeah uh yeah. i can't think of
0: angelina jolie's lips have nothing on this fucking woman she had them 30 years before anyone even knew who angelina jolie was but uh anyways really? uh she was the it's... only person who was originally cast for it by uh james cameron uh, and this is uh, James Cameron's first super epic movie, of course. So, um, and it came out in 1984. Huge science fiction blockbuster on a low budget that ended Linda up. Linda Hamilton. Becoming... Yeah, Linda Hamilton. Thank you,
1: man. Sorry, I can't dude. Believe I... Yeah. I, I had to get <laughs> I it, it out when I, as soon that. as I remembered, or I would have forgot. Yeah.
0: Can't believe I forget her name because I always, I'm always telling the wife about Linda Hamilton and everything, but. Uh, um but uh super influential came out whenever i was 14 super big introduction to arnold and uh, um you know oh uh, yeah absolutely other than, other than you know conan which came out the same year um but uh he was cast in a different in a different way but it was everyone's first big intro introduction the first big push of arnold as we know him now uh, being the uh, super heavyweight of all time for, you know, Hollywood action movies. He fit the part. He looked No like pun he was intended, supposed to be an- yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason right. all three of these are packaged together, as my honorable mention, is you have Arnold, the first and foremost. If you see him, he's supposed to be an action star. But if you look at right. Die Hard and Lethal Weapon, other than Mel Gibson being in Mad Max, neither one of those guys look like they're supposed to be action stars. They're just, they're no. comedy makes the right. movie work as as well as the action does. Right. And they both came out whenever I was a teenager and, and uh, um, uh, super enjoyed them. I saw them all three of them at the theater. And then whenever they came out later on, this is pre, this is about when VHS was coming around. So renting it, to see it for the weekend, you had to really wait for it to
1: yeah, show like up a couple on HBO years, yeah. or show time right, or whatever, right.
0: you know. So, getting to see a rerun of it on HBO was like big must see TV. Every, sure. you know, all the all the fifteen sixteen year old guys at at that time, my age, who were into it, is like, yeah, Saturday night. You know, instead of being out chasing pussy, I'm going to be watching Arnold. Yeah, I'm
1: going you know? uh, to be watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure.
0: Uh, But uh, those are, those are my honorable mentions. Um, All of them nominated for Oscars and Golden Globes. Uh, None of them won uh, except for the first Die Hard did get a Oscar win. um, Did it get sound or something? No, it got stunt coordination.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: So, so that's cool.
1: There it is. Yeah.
0: Uh, But uh, my number 10, this is my one and only silly, or I consider it silly, entry uh, of the list. Uh, It had a total of eight nominations between the Oscars and the Globes. It did win one Oscar. Super Influential came out in uh, 1985 and was rated at 8.5 on IMDb. And one of the reasons I consider it to be most influential is because this is one of the first Super huge blockbuster movies of the eighties that showed excess of everything and huge product placement. Uh, Pepsi Cola got first 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 page uh, dibs on every scene that it could possibly end. There was Pepsi Cola facing the camera. Same thing with Reebok. Same thing with Toyota. Um, uh, so on and so forth. There was a lot of product placement in this movie, and it's the first of its kind that really did that on a really extreme scale. Almost every movie or almost every scene has some sort of product placement in it. But it stars Michael J. Fox, Mm. written uh, by Robert Zemeckis, a super Hollywood heavyweight, and uh, uh, directed by uh, Bob Gale and Zemeckis for the screen um uh christopher lloyd is in it leah thompson who at the time we did not know that she was going to become such a hollywood darling she was beautiful then but she became even more so as time went on and she uh, ended up being in a few other movies that were nominated crispin glover as well who's if you see his picture he's almost he was mr I, 80s <laughs> yeah you know as yeah. far as recognition goes, I mean, he is he is a he is a Hollywood heavyweight. Everyone knows who he is. Most people don't know his name, you know, from right. the Charlie's Angels uh, movies. He was called the Thin Man, and he's done so many just like super weird movies. But his role in this is uh, Marty McFly as the dad, uh, just uh, you know, uh, just really dorky, really goofy guy. And and the premise of the movie is is super silly, but the the major major uh, showing of hollywood or uh, 1980s america excess is this guy comes up with a time machine and he decides to use a fucking DeLorean of all things when he could have used a minivan and come back in time with all of this cool collectible <laughs> fucking shit instead yeah. he uses a DeLorean and he has no yeah. storage or luggage space to bring anything back with him but uh um so yeah back to the future and, well, yeah, uh, time
1: wasn't anything to fuck with. You weren't supposed to bring back mementos or or uh, anything. Yeah, um, fuck so, that. Um, I that. If I would have brought that, back
0: something, shit.
1: At, that minivan would be shaking pretty good at 88 miles an hour. So. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Uh, but uh,
1: Especially if you had to take a turn or something.
0: Great movie. And uh, uh, at this point, I think it's more of a well-known fact. But back then, it was... Uh, not known at all. All three of the movies were viewed at, or were filmed at one fucking time. They did it all at one rip. Uh, Spielberg being the producer and everything, he was like, "No, this is how we're gonna market it. And this is how we're gonna release it." And um, uh, Zemeckis coming up with the story. It's a simple story, and they just Hollywooded the fuck out of it. And and it it is definitely all all you got to do is just hear the first six bars of that Huey Lewis song. And you yeah, immediately yep. remember Back to the Future, you know.
1: Yeah, you're right. And, uh,
0: uh, Michael J. Fox, um, he was already on uh, Growing Pains, I, I believe Family it ties. was. Uh, fa- fuck, yeah. Uh, Family yeah. Ties mm-hmm. uh, in the 80s. So he was already uh, a household name yeah, established. At that point. Yeah yeah and uh-huh. uh the movie put him way over the top and and put the rest of this this cast christopher lloyd of course was already famous from taxi and whatnot and, and from uh appearing in movies in the 70s he was already a well-known burnout and a, and a super yeah. wacky guy and and the role fit him perfectly it was it was written for him he uh he 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 read it, and they were like, "Yeah, you got the part already." And, and they had to talk him into actually doing it because it was such a typecasting role of how he was off-screen and the way that he appeared on taxis. Like, yeah, I don't want to do that again. And they're like, "Well, you do it every day. It's you." And so that that ended up, you know, getting him into the movie, and and it set uh, up every box office record. Uh, uh you could possibly imagine at the time uh nation uh, nationally and overseas as well as uh, one of the first big blockbusters that they reported overseas box office numbers for and during the time of its release for the first three movies from 84 to 89 you know it 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 grossed over 500 million dollars which back in the 80s i mean that's a couple billion dollars today so Huge fucking movie! It did win an Oscar, and it's my one and only silly entry in here. But I can't, I can't not say it because it was around whenever I was fourteen. Everybody was wearing the Reeboks, the little road up jeans. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, the, yeah,
1: yeah. The for Toyota
0: sure. four wheel drive. If you were the guy lucky enough, which there were three at the school I went to, to have that truck, you were fucking kick ass because you had the show that you had the truck that was in the movie, and yeah, just so many things tied to it. A lot of good memories and.
1: Yeah, the bright jacket, the fucking life preserver, all that shit, yeah.
0: Yeah, what, did you fall off a ship, kid? What, what do you mean? The life <laughs> preserver,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but everyone rocked that vest for no reason back then. I mean, it was just, why are you wearing this? <laughs> the, and it was made out of the most insane material. I don't, was it, I don't even remember what it was made out of. Oh, it was, oh, like it some was 100% sort of,
0: polyester with polyester fucking fill, man. It, it, well, it, it I, had, I
1: thought it was like a polyester... Uh, uh,
0: it was like a nylon uh, of some
1: kind for yeah, back then. But... Yeah, some some sort of polyester um, yeah. combo some or something. Lycra,
0: some Lycra precursor of some kind. Right. I don't know. but right. uh, yeah. yeah, everybody would rock that jacket. And, you know, if you're really cool, you would combo it with the Mork and Mindy suspenders. And uh, then you had everything fucking going on from the early 80s at that point in time, you know, if you were cool enough to have those. So, yeah, just so many so many cool things, a lot of laughs. and And one of the first... Uh, one of the first big '80s super blockbusters, but also as a trilogy, it was the first big trilogy that the the last movie was actually as good as the first, and at the box office did just as good. So that yeah, they
1: they were all super super enjoyable, and i they did they knocked it out of the park with the uh, whenever they traveled back to the '50s with the nostalgia and the sets oh, and yeah. the 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 wardrobe and everything. I mean, it was you know it was really good. It was good. I, you felt like you were. Yeah. Super top
0: notch. And it, and it holds up today. I could, you could take, you know, whenever jelly bean grows up and she's 10 or 11 years old, you could show her that movie and she's going to laugh at it. I, I guarantee it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) She's going to laugh at me for liking it probably. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That too. But you know, it it will still hold up the, all the actors have chops and, and the production and, just the visual quality of it and, and the absurd idea of the DeLorean having to hit 88 miles an hour and how you go through all three of them and it all ties in together. Just It actually is a very well-written series of movies. Uh, if you get past the silliness, the way they tie everything in and the last episode ties back into the first.
1: Really cool stuff. Very much so. Me. Yeah, very much so. Also, Elizabeth Shue. What's, huh? She's in that, too. She's yes, in the second, number two and three, so yeah so there's that she appears in
0: the uh fifties flashback part of it
1: uh well she's she plays uh they switched they switched the uh girl after the first one and so she oh plays yeah that's excellent. right
0: that's mm-hmm. yeah that's right but yeah yeah she was a uh, that was a, uh, i don't know what her third movie was but there was three movies during the eighties where she she took advantage of of being in the popular spotlight pretty well
1: yeah I think it was Adventures and Babysitting or something. Yeah, that was was the other one, Adventures Mm and Babysitting,
0: yes. Um, Along with Christina Applegate and yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Cool, so that's my number 10, bro.
1: Yeah, good one, good one. Um, So for me, when you think about like movies that have influenced you, you got to think about, you know, back to high school and what you were doing in high school, which was trying to get, you know, a yeah. little bit wasted, try to hook up with some, <laughs> you know, some girls, try, you know, yeah. just kind of, kind of try to, you know, start making it as an adult. Um, are you going to go to college? Or are you not going to go to college? Um, where do you go from high school? Right. And, and how do you handle your last, your senior year in high school? And there was a lot of movies, uh, that I kind of thought about maybe putting on this list. Um, uh, the stoned age, which nobody would fucking have any fucking idea about. Me and you are probably uh, like
0: one of only twenty people on the planet who just yeah. fucking still love watching that movie. Yeah.
1: yeah, that movie's a great movie. So I I That's didn't want sharp. to put that on there because nobody no, nobody would get it. They'd be like, man, we would lose all of our listeners right there on that. <laughs> um, Dazed and Confused was another one that almost uh-huh. that I almost put on there. I don't really care about Fast Times at Ridgemont High, although Nancy Wilson from heart has a cameo in that and she's right. to this day
0: dude still i went beautiful. and saw
1: heart yeah
0: and still, and still I will,
1: awesome i will fight i will fight anyone that wants to talk shit about nancy wilson and heart i'll use well, my nancy three wilson months is, of fucking karate training ass. yeah uh-huh. i'll use my three months of karate training from 35 years ago to fight you that's um, right <laughs> so, um <laughs> but i didn't care about that movie so much so but at number 9 i got uh it's from 2007 and the first time i watched this movie i laughed so freaking hard ridiculously hard that I, I had a headache and i immediately thought wow this is a great movie and i need some ibuprofen um and <laughs> it's, uh it's directed by greg matola who did matola I, I i hope i don't know how to say the name but greg matola uh, who also directed Adventureland, um, and a couple of other movies, but Adventureland's the big one. Um, and this is called Super Bad, Super Fucking Bad, Super Bad. Yeah. yeah.
0: So kind of the beginning of uh, the whole uh, uh, Rogan and and everybody yeah. like becoming powerhouses too, yeah. right?
1: Rogan actually Rogan along with uh, Evan Stone or not Heavenstone. <laughs> forgive me not for the that porn star god and, damn it. <laughs> 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 no Evan goldberg
0: okay. seth rogan
1: and <laughs> Evan goldberg um <laughs> wrote this wrote this movie um and it stars uh the academy award nominated jonah hill uh-huh um michael Sarah, christopher mince plass these were um kind of their first movies but it's it's basically so the story of three kind of like kind of nerdy kid not real nerdy but you know just three kind of buddies who aren't super popular and they're trying to um trying to kind of get this party together or they're kind of trying to you know figure out how they're going to handle the last couple weeks of school they're trying to party and get their whatever the last, get their senior last senior
0: year party yes, or whatever correct, it was yeah.
1: correct before they go to college and whatnot and um so jonah hill has a crush on a girl called jules emma stone who oscar winner uh-huh um, yeah and this was and her very first movie she have
0: a crush on somebody she would definitely be the
1: one. <laughs> right yeah. so it's them just trying to you know kind of kind of get their party on and and stuff it's really a story of loyalty because uh So Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah best buds, they end up going to different – they get accepted into different colleges. And so Michael Sarah is – ends up rooming with McLovin in this. And Jonah Hill (laughs) kind of finds out – yeah, Jonah Hill kind of – who's played by uh, Christopher Mintz-Plast. Jonah Hill kind of finds out about it. And he gets a little jealous, you know, that they're going to be, you know, rooming together. And he's – yeah, yeah. So it's their friendships kind of tested and stuff. And uh, one of the kids gets a fake ID. And so they, they go out and, and buy, you know, booze. And just through a series of, of crazy, crazy events, it, it it basically runs through the course of one night at them trying to get, you know, fucked up and kind of score with the girls, uh, whatever. Um, and I'm doing a real terrible job at describing this movie. But, well, uh, you know,
0: it's a great uh, coming-of-age movie, and it's a it's yeah. a day in the life of, of uh, you know, three 17-year-olds, sure. and they end up getting into a party of much older people of 21 to 25-year-old range, and they get themselves Good. into some trouble there because they're definitely yeah, they mixing do. classes at that point, and definitely right. age age barriers show up, and uh,
1: their immaturity
0: just... kind of com- comes to the forefront on that, that they're not wise with girls, and how to yeah. really party and whatnot.
1: Yeah. They're just trying to get the, uh, get the alcohol back to the party that Jules is throwing and stuff <laughs> yeah. through whatever means necessary. And that does include uh, dumping some detergent out and filling it with beer. Um, Coming
0: back with three
1: bottles of fucking industrial uh, size Tide Deter- bottles. filled with fucking <laughs> Right. Yeah. Along, yeah. along with various other uh, assorted alcohols that were purchased kind of legally. Um, it's, it's a really funny movie. It's like I say, it was written by uh, Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen um, with Jonah Hill in mind for the for the for the main role. Actually. Yeah, they, so. they did. They did write
0: for him to be cast in in some part of the movie. I, I do remember hearing that. And this is a uh, it's also um, Seth Rogen's not his first Hollywood deal, but his first major writing that hits the big screen. I believe it's everybody's first Correct. commercial yeah. exposure to Seth Rogen. yeah well he he'd
1: he'd done like he'd done movies before as an actor but as far as uh uh, you know the writing i think this was the first big one that that he really did so yeah and um and it created
0: an entire machine in in its own little genre of movies you've got pineapple express and everything else that comes along with it and and it's all in the same vein and yeah this is the end and and uh uh, it, it creates its own little lane of movies that every one of them, you know, what to expect because of super bad.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I'm kind of a, I, I kind of saw myself as a composite of all three of these guys. Um, really the one, <laughs> if
0: you weren't the super jock or super popular, yeah, you're going to
1: fall into one yeah. of these three, uh, yeah. categories. So that's what I got at my, at my, uh, my number nine. Uh,
0: uh, uh, was the movie itself, was there any nominations actually attached to the movie in any way, shape, or form, uh, even with
1: like the globes or? N- uh, I don't believe so.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Yeah. I didn't know it... uh,
0: I was kind of curious because uh, I don't remember. If it was, it would be for something like super obscure, like editing in a comedy or something like
1: that. Yeah, (laughs) no, um, it's, no, there was no, uh, no nominations. Um, It was uh, definitely more
0: blockbuster or, or box office success. And the arrival of a couple major talents that, that right, set that
1: right out. i mean emma emma stone and uh like i said that was her first movie as well as uh christopher mintz plass who plays uh mclovin fogle you've seen yeah, him and probably one of the most
0: one of the most iconic movie names probably fucking like that's yeah. definitely on the short list of 10 you just say mclovin and people laugh you know yeah
1: yeah, my my favorite scene in that is when he actually comes back with a fake ID and he shows it to the other two, uh, to Sarah and Jonah Hill. <laughs> yeah. And they have a whole conversation about why he would choose to be 25 oh. over 21 and why he would come up with the name yeah. of here's Here's McLovin, the uh, organ yeah, donor from 25 Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> 25 <years laughs> Hawaiian organ donor. Um, so that's a uh, – there's a <laughs> – there's a lot of really silly scenes in that, but that's that's one of them. The one where he's he's uh, grinding up on the on the lady who's having her her monthly as well. That was that uh-huh. was another funny yeah, part. Yeah, they're like, so.
0: dude, you got fucking you got blood on your pants. Yeah, that whole scene and the fight and and everything that leads uh, that comes after it. Yeah, definitely, that's a. A, an iconic coming-of-age movie, uh, regardless of Oscar nomination or not, definitely. Right. Yeah, I can definitely see that being super influential, for sure.
1: Yeah, so that's what I got cool. for my nine. All
0: right, number nine. Um, so for me, I'm going to jump way back in time. Okay. And uh, this movie came out in
1: 1972,
0: mm. and it uh, definitely sets the standard for every genre, uh, related movie that has come out ever since, if there's ever a mafia movie of any kind that has to be done, any comparisons to, uh, Don Corleone or, uh, you know, Francis Ford Coppola being, being mentioned in any way, or Al Pacino as, as Michael, uh, uh, Corleone and,
1: You've got James
0: Caan, you have uh, Talia Shire, who later appears in in Rocky, Rocky. another another Mm -hmm. uh, Oscar-nominated movie. She was also on Planet of the Apes. And by the way, I do have to really comment on the fact that uh, uh, she was a very underrated uh, Hollywood beauty. In a girl-next-door kind of way, but uh, uh, Talia Shire was... I thought she was an incredibly beautiful and classy, classy woman. And every, every scene she did, she never really got a lot of credit for her acting chops, but she played alongside some serious motherfucking heavyweights and did not give an inch on anything that she did. And I think she's really seriously overlooked and she was lost to breast cancer back in the, uh, uh, late nineties, I believe it was. And, and, and all that good stuff. But, uh, uh, not good stuff you know what i mean but uh also uh Diane Keaton is in that uh which uh, right. she is a ho- yeah. hollywood powerhouse uh, unto her own uh altogether you've got um 18 nominations and 3 oscars and 5 golden globes on imdb this is actually the only movie i have on this this list that imdb rates higher than a 9 and to me, it's got to be a 10 on everybody's list. On on Ranker's uh, best movies of all time, it's uh, rated as number eight. It's The Godfather, um, the beginning of the trilogy and the beginning of everything that follows in the mafia vein. Everything that come, came after this has to be able to hold a candle to it or and also not copy it to be considered a good mafia movie and it definitely set the scene and 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 changed the landscape of how that kind of movie was done and made
1: it it really kind of exposed yeah go ahead
0: no go yeah go ahead bro
1: it really kind of exposed the public to kind of the inner workings of of uh, the mafia because before then you really didn't have that um you really didn't have like an an, an outsider's insight into it, um, and it, it yeah is everything prior to this a was bit. all fantasy but, yeah.
0: and what people imagine. And nothing what you saw based on, on TV with the,
1: with with Bobby Kennedy do it, you know his uh you know hunting down uh, organized crime figures and and stuff. This is actually number two on IMDb's top two fifty of, of all time. It's a great movie, dude. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows how I feel about Marlon Brando. Uh, fuck Buck, yeah jor-el Jor- on superman for fuck's sake right fuck as, yeah was, as our buddy ed said that's when you know he made it when you when you're in a comic book movie um,
0: yeah. and that was, the, that was the, original, that, superhero. Was the original,
1: <laughs> that was the original right brando so
0: so yeah. uh, you know christopher butthole fucking Reeves. yeah
1: <laughs> no that is a it's a phenomenal Phenomenal movie, dude. It's uh, everyone needs to see that before they die, and most and of our listeners probably have. I would, I would, I would hazard a guess that
0: probably 50% of the people on that I see on our fan page and on Instagram and Twitter, I would probably hazard a guess that maybe, maybe as high as 40% may not have seen it. Hmm. And so hopefully hopefully this is uh
1: get some exposure You gotta in. see this. Yeah. Yeah,
0: you you gotta you gotta see this. This is the uh uh the standard. Uh other than the only one that's close to being as epically great for a mafia movie is Goodfellas. And if you've seen Goodfellas, then you probably have seen this. But if you haven't seen anything other than fucking Sopranos or whatever, then it uh this is what made Sopranos possible, and th- and this made a lot of people household names. Al Pacino, for fuck's sake, right?
1: He,
0: he had been in some stuff, you know, Raging Bull and and, and everything, but uh, or was that... that
1: that was De Niro? Let's not forget about uh, Robert Duvall, though.
0: Oh yeah, fucking that Duvall. Played yeah. the the. All he was the known for prior like to the this was good restaurants, I think.
1: Right. This was this was so, a uh, kind of a. A departure role for him and so and the role the uh, the character of Vito Corleone is directly based on on a mafia on uh, Joe Bonanno
0: yeah um, it's based on yeah uh, the Gambini crime family the uh, Bonanno who was uh he wasn't a Don but uh, he was a Coppa definitely and very well known
1: no he was he was yeah. the he was the was Don of the Bonanno family yeah yeah okay one of right. the um, so.
0: But uh, your your director here is Francis Ford Coppola, uh, which for anybody who does not know is Nicolas Cage's uncle. Uh, it was written by Mario <laughs> Puzo. Um, mm-hmm. The book. Uh, yeah. uh, this book actually was a New York times bestseller for, it was on the top 10 list, I believe for 12 or 13 months and four or five years before the movie ever came out. Like, it was the the book was incredibly well received and and it was the basis of the movie. And then whenever they did release the movie and all the fanfare of the book being over with it, you got to remember this was a time before social media. So it wasn't like there was a weekly update on oh, Puzo's books going to be turned into a movie just four or five years after the book was out, the movie itself comes out and everybody loses their mind. Again, it does huge in the box office, especially in America but also it does pretty good overseas and uh as far as the uh 1972 release of the movie uh they did a little bit it was 185 million in box office uh which today is a billion dollar box office uh blockbuster so um incredibly well received by the critics uh by the academy uh, becomes a um uh, definitely the the standard of, of any other mob, mob mob movie or TV show that's been done since. Either you're trying to copy it, copy the Good Father uh, or the Godfather which means it, it kind of probably sucks or it's in the same vein as the Godfather like the Sopranos or Goodfellas was and it makes it a, a, a an all-time classic as well. So that's my number nine.
1: Awesome. Good deal. So uh, for my number eight uh, this is also a fairly recent movie and it's the first of three movies on here on my list uh, starring the very, very, very amazing Sam Rockwell, who um, I, I watched <laughs> yeah. a, uh, yeah. So I watched a uh, a Kevin Smith special a while back uh, where he, he does, he goes to different colleges and he kind of just does seminars and talks about, you know, what goes into filmmaking and, and Way, how he approaches it his method to it and things like that and on one of the episodes he mentioned ben affleck and how he, he said ben affleck was a um you know one of the greatest actors that he, that he that he knows that he could play the shark in uh in jaws well um, <laughs> to me sam rockwell could play the asteroid in armageddon i mean he is that good he's that gifted and everything I've seen of him, uh, all the interviews, all the awards, the uh, Academy Award-winning Sam Rockwell—that's my Oscar tie-in. Um, okay. He—he he just seems like such a down-to-earth guy, man. If any of our 31 listeners out there, or whatever, uh, happens to know him, dude, I would be flattered. I would be, I would be, I, I, I would be on cloud nine if we could get him. A, you know, if we could do an interview with him, see what him and Leslie Bibb uh, are binging on. Um, but not to get off subject too much, um, the movie he is called is a, the way uh,
0: he's, he's part of a Hollywood power couple, right? Like who's, who's his yeah.
1: wife? Leslie Bibb. Uh, they're, I don't think they're married. I think they're, she's, um, she's, but uh, they've been together in Talladega Hollywood Nights. for Nights.
0: Long time.
1: Yeah. Uh huh. A Long yeah. time. Yeah. She's the, the, the she's chick gorgeous. from, uh, Talladega Nights. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. she's actually in Risk Cutters, which I mentioned earlier too. Um, uh huh. Yeah, so this movie is called uh, The Way, Way Back. The Way, Way Back. The Way, Way Back. It's from 2013. It wasn't a very – there wasn't a lot of fanfare to this movie when it was released. As a matter of fact, I think I just saw a preview for it um, when I was watching another movie, and I thought, oh, that looks kind of cool. And then I just stumbled across it uh, in the video store, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's that movie I saw the preview for. So this movie is about a – it's kind of a coming of age tale about a, a, uh, he's like a 13, 14 year old kid named played by uh, Liam James. Who's not really very well known Uh, plays a kid named Duncan and he's living with his mom. He does have a father who's I think living in Massachusetts or something that really doesn't want anything to do with him does. He's not really into being a parent um, so much. So, his mom. He's with his mom, who's played by Tony Collette, who is good in her own right. I mean, everything that she's in, you know. Um, and she is with. She's dating uh Steve Carell in this movie. Okay. And Steve Carell actually plays the opposite of anything you would expect Steve Carell to be. You always expect him to kind of be the, you know, the good guy, the the kind of you know, fun loving. You know what? Maybe as far as a,
0: as far as an actor's chops go steve carell i believe is one of our most underrated people of very uh, much our so. current generation he, very much the so. chops his chops are i mean he's he's a an incredibly talented actor yeah anyways go yeah. ahead
1: yeah he's um so he actually plays against type in this uh he kind of plays like kind of a dick um so they go to um they go to his summer house, which is on the beach uh, somewhere in new England. Uh, I'm not, I don't even know if it ever mentions where it is, but it's okay. It's probably, you know, uh, New York, New Jersey, somewhere in there, maybe Massachusetts. Um, so they go there to, to his summer house for the summer. It's kind of a beach house and, you know, he's got no friends there. He's got, uh, nobody even wants to take an interest with him and him. He's kind of a shy, just, um, you know, shy kid who, who doesn't really have a lot of self-confidence or anything like that. And it's, he, one day he's steals a bike from the he really doesn't steal. He borrows a bike from, from the garage and kind of just decides to pedal into town. he stumbles across a water park that's ran by Sam Rockwell and Sam Rockwell kind of sees him and, and takes a kind of an interest in him and decides, you know, to kind of befriend him a little bit. He gives him a job over the summer and stuff and gives him kind of a, a sense of self-worth, um, you know, gives him some self-confidence and uh, kind of gets his, um gets his, his, uh, we'll cut all this, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> he gives him self-confidence, self-worth and, uh, you know, kind of a, a sense of being, he ends up, you know, kind of hooking up a- with the, the neighbor girl a, across the way. It's it's a com- okay, so it's a comedy is but it it's a
0: coming of age comedy kind of thing. Very much so.
1: Very much so. Okay. Um it's actually was had a lot of nominations. Nothing from nothing from the uh, the Globes or the Oscars. But um
0: Did they get, it's get just some, one of those... Uh, it's just did one they get of the nominations
1: good... from SAG? No, nothing sag. I think the biggest one was the, um, let me see.
0: People's choice or something.
1: Yeah. The people's choice, the MTV and, uh, award got some stuff. Um, okay. So yeah, not a lot of stuff on there, but, um, anyhow the kid by the end of the summer, he's, you know, he's kind of, he's really, he's, he's got a, a sense of, um, He kind of discovers who he is, kind of finds that inner, you know, kind of inner badass. And uh, at the end of it, he's standing up to Steve Carell, um, who just kind of bully. It didn't really bully him, but he just kind of belittled him, everything, you know, and Steve
0: Carell played the uh, stepdad who kind of like gave him shit all the time. Right.
1: Yes, correct correct
0: okay Um, yeah it also stars when you first uh, mentioned it i was like oh fuck he's bringing up a movie i haven't seen but i i I do remember watching this because the wife is a huge rockwell fan as well so uh whenever she she saw it we ended up watching it. i do remember this okay
1: yeah so rockwell befriends him and kind of gives him a job gives him gives him a voice gives him you know the the ability to um to To kind of stand up for himself and kind of you know feel good about you know being being a teenage kid and you know and and making the most of, of who's the kind of, uh, who's kind the of teenager? A crappy, uh, it's Liam James, is his name. Uh, I don't know if he's in. I haven't seen him in any other things. He kind of I confuse him with Logan Lerman a little bit. They kind of look a lot alike. Okay. Um, All right. So yeah, yeah my okay, yeah, Amanda pete uh Allison Janney so there's a lot of people um okay. in this movie it's it's got a lot of star power uh just didn't get a lot of fanfare or a lot of uh, media attention when it was released but it's one of those good under the radar coming of age um movies so okay
0: the way way back
1: the way way back okay mm-hmm. and it came out when? Is from twenty thirteen.
0: Twenty thirteen. Okay, yeah. Because whenever you were bringing up uh, looking around in the video store.
1: Yeah, that that's <laughs> only six years ago, bro. Yeah, and now well, they uh, still have video. There's... That's a thing. They still have them, huh? Really? Yeah. Family video. Okay, yeah. So family, vi- uh, family that's, video. Family video is. I was in family video okay. looking. Mm-hmm. All right.
0: Family video, other than family video, then you have all the blockbusters. And like overnight, all of those disappeared. Like here in town, there's only one family video. And it really mm-hmm. operates more as a uh, a place to pick up like your CBD oil and shit. And they've got mm-hmm. some movie, like, you know, they got the porn section in the back. And uh, uh, that's about it. Uh, so, I mean, just six years ago, like going to the movie store on Friday night, to pick out what you were going to watch with, uh, you know, either yourself or with all your friends over for the weekend. It's so recent that all of that has
1: disappeared.
0: It's crazy.
1: Yeah, it really has. I mean, now everyone, they either have uh digital on demand or red box. So,
0: right. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, just, just weird how, how that just complete. So I was, uh, watching a show the other day and, um, blockbuster, of course, whenever they, they, uh, Stop doing their thing. They closed down. I think it was twenty nine hundred storefronts, like basically overnight.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: but there's there's one still in operation in Oregon. And it's in the, in Oregon, the state yeah. of Oregon, and uh, there's it's the it's not even the original uh, one, but it is the only one that is still in operation in all the world after closing down those three thousand some yeah. six six seven years ago it's the only one that's still going and i guess the owner of it is just like no fuck that i still watch these things and yeah. this is how I, I watch you know it. what I,
1: I, and i hope it i hope it stays you know i hope it stays there
0: that's a piece of americana you know that's yeah. uh that's that is truly truly gone because of technology being the way it is now
1: right uh so uh, people, anyway. I mean, yeah, no, some people like to go out. I mean, there's there's kind of a sense of, you know, a sense of adventure going out and, you know, yeah. looking at going to the movie store. And what cool stuff can I find rather than just sitting on your couch and scrolling through stuff because there's so much more variety there. Right. Yeah,
0: you're picking out and you're picking out what you're going to watch for Friday and Saturday night based on the box cover. Like there's yeah. there's like. A couple of movies, uh, like there was one that Dolph Lundgren was in. I never would have watched that if I didn't go to the fucking blockbuster and start looking at right. movie cases. Right. And uh and there's tons of movies like that. But yeah, that was something that was part of uh everybody's Thursday Thursday or Friday night. And it was how we uh, viewed all the new releases, and it's also how you found out about coming attractions. Uh, yeah, definitely a, a lost piece of uh the way America operated, that's for sure. And just six years ago, man, just whenever you brought up that date, I was like, fuck. Yeah. That's uh that's crazy that it was just that short of a time ago that mm-hmm. and now it's completely gone. Uh okay, cool. Um so uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> number no, eight
1: I, for me yeah.
0: is um came out in nineteen seventy nine. Altogether, it was a it was nominated for 12 awards and won two at the Oscars, three at the American at, at the Golden Globes. Uh, this is a my second uh, Francis Ford Coppola's uh, entries. However, mm. the writer for the movie is John uh, Milas, who went on to do a, a lot of other huge uh, Hollywood uh blockbusters and whatnot but uh uh, this is another mention or another nod to Marlon Brando you have Martin Sheen a very young Martin Sheen uh you have Lawrence Fishburne it's his first uh big screen appearance Harrison Ford
1: Robert um, Duvall again
0: (laughs) uh and uh as well as Dennis Hopper and Scott Glenn yeah and uh uh again it's based on the Uh, We both have uh, Vietnam-based movies, and I think we're covering both of the major heavyweights here, but Apocalypse Now Mm -hmm. uh, definitely created and burned several scenes into most of America's memory at that point in time. I love the smell of... uh, uh, Agent Orange in the morning, or you know, whatever the fuck it is that he says, and and uh, uh, the uh, um, whenever they bring the entertainers over and shit fucking happens, and the falling of uh, Saigon, and and this general has gone completely off the beaten path. He knows how to win the war, but because so many politics are being played in Washington, we're not really pursuing winning the war and this is the first movie that really gives credence to that idea which was something that was known in the Mar- in America from the late 60s on that this this was more of a political in- undertaking than it was anything else and this movie really puts that on front street with it it's definitely uh, an got,
1: anti-war movie
0: definitely an anti-war war-based movie and uh for a person who didn't know any better after watching Platoon or um, any of his other movies like it almost Francis Ford Coppola has to be incredibly influential to Oliver Stone because of the way this movie was done because you see so many of Stone's movies afterwards that have the same kind of like and feel and the super hyperbole where everything is is the volume is raised to 10 and, and every scene just completely every actor in every scene just completely eats it the fuck alive. Dennis Hopper, this is his last major Hollywood role for fuck damn near 20 years. Um, Marlon Brando basically goes into seclusion shortly after this, other than the Superman appearance. Yeah. Um, launches He's in- the career of... Not so much launches the career of Martin Sheen, but makes him a Hollywood... Uh, uh, definitely a, a household name, but also he kind of disappears from front page news for quite a few years after this movie, like really fucked with a lot of people's heads and it, and it really, really messed with the people who were on screen, everybody who was on set going through all of this. It was the end of the Vietnam war and it was so raw to all of these people and and that it, 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 it really fucked a lot of these people up for, for a substantial amount of time and really influenced them. Lawrence Fishburne apparently is the only person who comes out of it unscathed because he goes right into another row and never really stops. He's the only person who does not take a hiatus uh, or becomes blackballed by Hollywood or whatever because of their political views attached to the movie. And um, IMDb gives it a 8.4. And, I, and uh, ranker on the all-time listings uh, puts this in uh, – it's definitely the top 100. It's not a top 10 like I think it is, uh, but it's like 90, number 97 or whatever in all-time greatest movies. It was a big box office success. It wasn't a critical success. So whenever it won Oscars, it was very confusing for a lot of Hollywood insiders. They were like, well, this movie wasn't supposed to win anything. Uh, but because of the the way it was so epic on screen and the way it captured everybody's imagination and the fictional character of Marlon Brando just completely running off the reservation, we all know that that wouldn't really happen. Or if it did, it would be completely covered up, and that and everybody involved with that platoon um, or that general, they'd all they they would never have made it back home to tell the story. That's for sure. He's um, in this. So yeah. It,
1: Go ahead. Yeah, he's in this movie for all of 20 minutes and this movie is completely dominated by him. I mean, (laughs) every scene he's in he just commands, dude. And yeah, he did. He won an Oscar for uh, probably some of the best 20 minutes of any freaking acting ever. Um, He does. He plays uh, Colonel Kurtz. He just completely goes off the grid, goes rogue and kind of establishes his own kind of weird colony in Cambodia. Um,
0: Yeah. In the Martin Sheen character, who's working for the uh, military press or um, uh, getting insider information to be able to get close to him and everything. Just uh, it's kind of a coming of age movie for him because in the movie he's portraying a nine or 19 or a 20 year old and he has no idea what the fuck he's in for. And then he gets introduced to this guy who's become a demigod basically amongst his troops. And, and, It's no longer the army of the United States. It's the army of of Marlon Brando. It, these are his <laughs> completely, yeah. truly psychotic followers who will, yeah, who live and die on what he wakes up in the morning thinking
1: about. Kind of a kind of a weird uh, uh, East Asian Jamestown kind of deal. Um, for, <laughs> yeah. for lack of no, for lack of a better comparison, I mean, uh-huh. he, he he really kind of you know forms a commune with the natives and stuff and i mean everybody who who was fortunate enough to live after they encounter him are kind of just brainwashed to his whole ideals and what
0: yeah really by the end of it he's he 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 ends up taking up taking up home camp i'll uh, just last thing i gotta say about it but he ends up taking home camp amongst these cambodians who are obviously not just third world these guys are stuck in like 2000 bc and there's yeah. like aspects of cannibalism and everything and he's right, right. at fucking home with them and yeah. all of his followers are just like yeah fuck yeah let's let's you know live like this
1: yeah and he kind of kind of steers everyone around to his way of thinking i mean dennis hopper i don't remember how he showed up there but he just kind of showed up as a photographer and now he's one of his followers and uh uh-huh. there was yeah, another was assassin part of the
0: military press as well yeah
1: there was another assassin sent before Martin Sheen who goes and they're never heard. He's never heard from again. They assume he, he was KIA and he's actually one of the, you know, one of his top lieutenants now in, yeah, in he's,
0: he's He's like yeah. second in command. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's, this is a, um, it's very much an, a, an anti-war movie because from the fact that, you know, Martin Sheen sent there to kill him because he's informed that, you know, that uh, Brando's going against everything um, that the United States army is there for when in reality uh, we're not supposed to be there at all. And right. And Brando's kind of, you know, come around to that. And uh, so now his, his weird uh, way of thinking is really not so weird at all. He's, he's actually got it figured out, but he doesn't want to take part in, in the, uh, in the rigmarole anymore So
0: Yeah he just completely
1: jumped ship On
0: on assassinating these Innocents I believe right. Is actually yeah. one of the lines yeah. that he says And um, uh, Just uh, The exposure and it being so Fresh to America after the end Of the war and we're dealing with all The GIs being home and and nobody Knows what to do with them and they're still Very you know those guys who Came back from Vietnam they're still uh very much living the being spit on because they mm-hmm. came home with baby killers and whatnot
1: and the and night terrors and everything. Yeah.
0: It took such a over-the-top um uh super crazy look at how how it all happened and um it had a little bit of an element of maybe a true story feel to it even though it's a hundred percent fictionalized. Uh, but it definitely had a, a a feel to it that was fresh enough to the American audience at least at the time that you know oh fuck yeah you know we people who watched the movie bought into Brando's character and his style because that was the uh, um, you know the pulse of everything at that time with the war having just ended basically just three years prior. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. just a super, super iconic movie. There isn't anything that has been made since they can compare because it is such a standalone movie. Nobody's going to do a Vietnam based movie that isn't that doesn't end up being a feel good of some kind because nobody wants to relive how America treated its soldiers and how the, the social diversion that was going on at that time. Nothing could ever be made that would be close to it. And, uh, uh, so it, it's, it definitely stands by itself and, uh, super, super successful, uh, at the box office and, and at the Oscars, even though it wasn't critically well received, which is kind of funny. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: yeah. That's my number eight.
1: Okay. So this is definitely going to probably have to be a two part or like an hour and a half already, which is okay. So you yeah, want to run yeah. it to seven yeah, and we'll six and with- then do it like last time.
0: Yeah. And we can go ahead and continue over on, on the next part and at least get our top five out of the way.
1: Okay. Um, so my number seven, Mm -hmm. um, anyone who knows me knows, um, one of my most favorite genres of movie is our Westerns. Um, it's just kind of how I, what I grew up watching. Some people, you know, grow up reading comic books and shit like that. And, uh, you know, which uh, I've read a couple comics, uh, you know, that I was into Spider Man and, and uh Fantastic Four a little bit, stuff like that. So but I was more into uh my father being a uh, yeah, a child of the forties and fifties, right? That's that's what was on a lot, it was Western. So he kinda turned me on to um to that when I you know, when I was young. And I I still have a uh a great affinity for um for Westerns. This one in particular is since we're doing in our lifetime, this one's been influential on me. Um being that yeah, uh-huh. you know, it's it takes place in my home state where I'm living. Uh-huh. um and it stars um uh, Val Kilmer and Kurt Russell, Sam Elliott, Bill Paxton, um Powers Booth. Let's see, who else? Billy Zane, for fuck's sake. Everybody's in this. Charlton Heston has a cameo uh the, the narration is done by lived. <laughs> the yeah. most beautiful man <laughs> uh michael bean uh it's directed uh, the directing credit goes to george p Cosmatos, but later they uh it's it's kind of more widely known these days it up, that, right? that, that yeah. kurt russell actually took over uh directing because uh for as great of a movie as this is i guess the set was very chaotic um So and uh, you know the directors walked off and Kurt Russell was kind of left holding the the, holding the bag and you know he has since said that he kind of more or less directed this thing. Uh, It's Tombstone from 1993 and it's yeah it's the story of Wyatt Earp but it also uh, it encompasses the um, the gunfight at the OK Corral. Uh, Val Kilmer is. Uh, and I think uh, when we did our uh, biggest Oscar snubs, I think this was number one or number two on my list. I, uh the, yeah, it was
0: the, at the top of both of our list. Yeah.
1: The fact that he didn't even get nominated. The, matter of fact, the only two nominations for this movie are MTV Awards uh, Best Male Performance and Most Desirable Male, huh. uh, <laughs> which <laughs> both go to Val Kilmer. Um, yeah and all all the uh facial hair on this is all 100% red they all grew their own shit
0: yeah it's but, all um, authentic man yeah that's what's it great
1: is. but it's the story of uh tombstone in the uh, in the 1880s the and it covers the gunfight at the okay corral and then later the uh basically the the, the conflict between the Earps and the local uh outlaws there the uh the cowboys um, and it covers the the herb vendetta ride and stuff and it's uh, it's influential on me from the fact that i mean I, dude after i saw this i walked around for like a year trying to be Doc <laughs> holiday right I, I, start, I, I i'll be your I uncle already, bear yeah i mean i already liked poker and stuff but seeing him do the 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 chip roll across his knuckles and stuff. I, uh-huh. you know, yeah. it was just one of the, one of the coolest things ever. And, uh, it you know, really, kind uh, of what's super crazy is this being
0: the modern age quintessential Western.
1: Right. Right. it yeah, It uh, is too. It,
0: it, on, on IMDB, it's only given a 7.8. And I think that's, uh, doing it a huge disservice because the acting was not Oh, absolutely is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the acting was superb all the way across. The fact that Val Kilmer is able to create an incredibly believable uh, Doc Holliday in a way that can't be recreated—nobody can ever do Doc Holliday again, probably until no. Val Kilmer's fucking dead—and right. uh, uh, he could, uh, completely created that out of thin air because there are no historical recordings of Doc Holliday conversations. Or anything like that. So he he completely uh, created that out of thin air, and and then the lines that they do follow historical facts with the OK Corral and and, yeah. and everything going on. Uh, it's it's
1: they're, really they're historically such a blend of
0: shit that goes on. Yeah, the historical accuracy, the uh, character creation, uh, the staying true to the characters. Kurt Russell uh, portraying um, what Earth. Uh, Wyatt Earp uh is is probably one of the truer
1: representations
0: of Wyatt Earp
1: and and he's amazing in in himself uh himself doing this role I mean if it weren't for Val Kilmer we'd be talking about Kurt Russell right because I mean he knocked it out of the park with his interpretation of of Wyatt
0: Earp and and, uh you know uh, rest in peace uh Mr. Paxton but uh uh you know i mean uh, all four of them as the main characters and the yeah. drivers of everything are uh, just phenomenal
1: yeah great chemistry there with all of those guys and even let's i mean let's talk about the bad guys for a minute or the uh the not the oh, bad yeah the, powers
0: booth the Boone. other guys She's
1: powers booth <laughs> yeah curly bill yeah. and michael bean who's who's he's uh, your boy from walking dead right yep yeah. yeah um so Thomas Hayden Church plays uh, Billy Clanton, plays one of the guys uh, killed at the the OK Corral. So, yeah, I mean, there's – the the casting in this is phenomenal. All these guys – it'd be hard for – now you could throw anyone in a cowboy hat and put a mustache on them and they could probably do it. But it's hard to imagine after you see this movie. It's hard to imagine someone else playing Ike Clanton besides Stephen Lang. Or it's hard to imagine –
0: the the fact that the uh, very brief cameo that that goes on, you see a nod to the traditional old uh, westerns that set the stage for everything. But Charlton right. Heston's in the movie. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, you know, fuck. It's just a huge powerhouse. If you look at the credits, the first Jason Priestley, uh, all the the like the first ten or eleven or twelve name mentions. Our current household names and they were before and have remained since this movie as being, you know, powerful Hollywood people.
1: Billy Bob's in it. Billy Bob Thornton. I mean,
0: like Billy Bob Thornton. Jesus every, Christ, Everybody's
1: yeah. in this. Michael Rooker. He's that's the Walking Dead. I misspoke. Michael Bean's in it too, but Michael Rooker's your uh, your boy from, from Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean yeah, this, this uh this, Sherman uh, McMasters, one of the homeowners, yeah. I believe. Yeah. yeah. This movie's full uh there's 20, 20, people that you could name and they'd be like, Oh yeah, I know who that is. Um yeah, exactly. They're all in this movie and they all are just amazing in it. So mm. that's uh I gave it it's 10 out of 10. It's if it's not in my top 10 favorite all time, it's in my top 20 for sure. Uh it's very close and it's you know, when you do talk about the contemporary Western, um, in the last thirty years, what's been made? There's uh, this. This is, is off that list. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Without a
0: doubt. I, uh, anything else being other than the Unforgiven being a very, very distant second. You know. So, um, yeah, uh, uh, this was a movie that almost made it for me, but it did not receive the actual award. So that's the reason I left it off but uh i left it out of honorable mentions as well just because i know probably how you're going to create your list i knew this had to make an appearance so i i yeah. let it, i looked at um definitely a, a top a top 20 for both of us and i think both of our top 20s we would both give uh the entirety of our top 20 we would rate all of them as 10s Or 9.5 at the very least. But yeah, um, absolutely. The fact that IMDb, uh, the total rating system only gives it a 7.8 and its meta score is only 776. It's just like, what? There's so many people who don't appreciate a good Western and how much incredible acting and creation went into doing this movie. And like you said, Russell taking the movie over midway. Right. Uh, I mean, because this... uh, Cosmato still gets the directing credit, even though Russell finished it.
1: Yeah, this is a movie that, you know, could very well have not gotten made.
0: Oh, yeah, it, it could have been stopped in production and we never even knew it existed.
1: But yeah, it's uh, it's uh, the world's better for for having it. Um, so <laughs> that's what I got to say about that.
0: Cool. All right. So number seven, uh, my number seven. I'm looking at the time here. I think we'll we'll be all right. Um, If not, we'll pick it up on the other side. I'll try to do it seamlessly. But uh, uh, on IMDb, it's only given a 7.6. I'm sorry, an 8.1. It was released in 76. And the reason this movie shows up on my list is, uh, first and foremost, my wife and I have been married 20 years. And whenever we uh first got together <laughs> she was giving me shit about uh you know you never ever want to watch any of the stories i want uh, or any of the movies i want because they're all chick flicks and their love stories or blah 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 and i was like you want to see a real fucking love story i got something for you and uh i put in rocky okay And Rocky, at the end of the day, of course, we all know Rocky Balboa ends up becoming, he goes through the entire character arc. The unknown becomes the champion, becomes super successful, falls out because he's successful, goes through hard times, blah, blah, blah. But um, at the end of the day, if you watch the first movie in its entirety, it is a love story. And uh, the action is phenomenal. Uh, The direction is phenomenal. Uh, it was a. Uh, it was directed by uh, John Aldrin who does have Hollywood credits after the fact some of them uh, kind of big time but this is also Stallone's first uh, venture into having a script picked up and it was actually on the market um, for about two and a half years before it did get picked up because a lot of studios were super interested in it but he would not allow anyone to take the script unless he was able to star in it. And, uh, which is the launch of course of Stallone's career and created so much, uh, I wouldn't say, uh, uh, silver screen greatness, but has created, you know, 50 years of fucking, you can't wait to see what Stallone's going to do next. And it all right. started from this. You've got, right. uh, Meredith, obviously. Um, you have Carl Stallone, yeah. shit. Marl Weathers. Fuck. You got Burt Young as Pauly. Talia uh, Shire uh, again uh, comes in this and she appears through the first four movies of the franchise before she did pass from breast cancer but um, uh, uh, the up and comer the guy who's just as he says in the movie I'm, I'm just a ham and egger. I don't belong in the ring with the, with yeah. the champion. That That level of self-doubt and then taking the chance, and it's all just a rib. Carl Weathers, who's portraying uh, loosely Muhammad Ali, there was a fight in 1973 where he took on an unknown as part of his comeback, who was a white guy who he just beat the fucking brakes off of for 15 fucking rounds, but the guy would not ever go down. That And, and Sylvester Stallone was actually sitting in the audience of that fight. That's where the idea and the script of Rocky comes from. It's, it's from an actual fight of Muhammad Ali's against one of his most severely underrated opponents and um, showing how he trains, showing how he captures the imagination of Philadelphia, not America, just Philadelphia. They kept yeah. it incredibly local. It was all Philadelphia. It wasn't yep. nationwide coverage mm-hmm. like the uh, movies, uh, like the later movies, especially like Rocky Three and with a uh, Rocky Four IV with Ivan Drago and all that. But um, uh, the fact that uh, you the soundtrack—if uh, you hear three notes of the Rocky oh, yeah. theme, you know, yeah, you know the it. Training, you know it training montage. You know that fucking yeah. shit is coming right.
1: up. You see, him, and, uh, you see him at the top of the stairs with his fist in the air. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you
0: know, yeah. he runs up the stairs of Philly where the statue ends up being. And first and foremost, uh, among, uh, you know, dozens and dozens of other sports related movies, um, uh, with the exception of Tin Cup, I'd say that this is by far the best sports related movie ever. And uh, as far as its nominations and, and Globes, uh, you've got 16 nominations, three Oscars, one Globe that it wins, and including uh, Sylvester Stallone getting Best Actor from the Globes, Best, best Movie, Best Soundtrack, uh, Best Screenplay. Uh, so all of the major Academy Award uh, uh, nominations, you know, the big, the big ones, uh, they did clean up on. And, um, it created a career for somebody who's iconic. If you think of action movies, you obviously think of Stallone on the Mount Rushmore along with Arnold and, and, uh, uh,
1: Arnold, he uh, probably put Bruce Willis up there
0: and Bruce Willis definitely belongs on there. Uh, the fourth is, uh, debatable amongst, uh, a bunch of more, uh, modern guys. Uh, but, uh, those three are definitely, yeah. Maybe The Rock modernly, yeah. um, or Jason Statham, I think. He, he could be on there, um, but uh, as far as uh, launching a career, launching a genre, and uh, just creating something that's etched in every American's memory, if you're alive or have since then seen any of the sequels, all six of them, uh, everybody knows Rocky and everybody knows the story and everybody loves it. There isn't a let down anywhere in it when, uh, so yeah,
1: no, no, yeah, it's, it's definitely the true underdog, underdog tale. Um, and it's, I think a lot of movies like now, when you see them, like the unorthodox training, all that stems from Rocky when he's in the freezer punching the meat you know what i yeah. mean nobody ever trained like that and now you see all kinds of other movies where they they do uh you know why am i doing oh, see, this oh it's could, part of the training if, you know <laughs> if you're a big ufc
0: guy you see guys that are actually doing training where they're out in the woods with a big log on their back and they're fucking yeah. doing five mile yeah it,
1: that's it, all because of this that, yeah
0: that's it It literally is all because of what you know sly did with this and and the fact that he did a a a uh, transformation or a a metamorphosis on, on screen uh, turning himself into a true Hollywood or I'm sorry, a true heavyweight fighter. He took on, he was able to do all of that himself without having stunt doubles, doing all the fights himself. I mean, just such so many things were created from this and so many things that Hollywood relies on and and looks at as cliche. Now uh, all come from Rocky. Uh and uh whenever I was looking it up, I was thinking of whenever I first saw it, which I think I was eight or nine years old, but the fact that it did actually come out in seventy-six, a lot of people miss that. Like yeah. they think Rocky is only an eighties kind of a deal. No, it was out fucking years before that. Right. All right. So uh number seven uh for me was Rocky. So go ahead with your number six, man.
1: All right. So, number six for me, from 1970, I know it's a little bit before my time, but you were around, yeah. starring uh, <laughs> Elliot Gould and Donald Sutherland, M.A.S.H.
0: Fuck it, A. right.
1: No, I'm just kidding, dude, but we had to get our I M.A.S.H. Uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we had to get our M.A.S.H. reference in for this episode. I figured now would be a good time. Um, yeah. My number six, and this is one of only two movies on my list, actually, that I I actually saw in the theater. Um, and I saw I was living in Shoshone, Idaho. I've been, dude, I'm like, I'm nationwide. Fuck Billy Gibbons. I'm nationwide, dude.
0: So yeah, I am living in have, Shoshone, uh, Idaho. I've been around. A
1: lot of places.
0: Yeah.
1: I've been around, see? Um. <laughs> <laughs> um I was living in Shoshone, Idaho in 1988. So I would have been, um, about sixth grade, I think sixth or seventh grade, 11 um, or 12. Yeah. 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 So I, uh, my dad's, uh, our next door neighbor decided she was going to, you know, we were going to go, she was going to take me to the movies and we were going to see, you know, whatever was on. And it's, uh, it was, I was kind of nervous cause it was a rated R movie is like, Oh, you know, I don't I don't know if my dad would be cool with it, but she's like, oh, yeah, no, there's no, you know, sexy stuff or anything, which it really eh, wasn't really. Um, but it was also the Best Picture winner that year. So this is truly Oscar-related. Um, okay. As well as a uh, Best Supporting Actor uh, win for Dustin Hoffman. And it's something that's really relevant, I think, to society today it's kind of a social commentary um speaking out for autism right because nobody right. knew what the fuck autism was um until this movie came out and you know even after it came out it was one of those outlier things it's like uh, well you know okay so it's there we know a little bit about it but it's not very prevalent well, for today, a long
0: period of time, uh, everybody continued to gloss over the fact that Dustin right. Hoffman was playing an autistic person. Yeah.
1: Um, You're a numbers guy. So here's a number for you. Today, one in 10 kids is diagnosed with autism. And it's, we all, I know at least two people, two of my friends that I know have autistic children. And for a time, yeah. we were even worried that our daughter, might be on the spectrum and i mean she still maybe we don't know for sure um
0: angie and i have a niece and uh one of our other friends has a uh a son who's autistic so yeah yeah definitely this
1: this is very real and it needs it needs people need to be aware of it. it the movie is rain man um and when we when i watched it um so it's the story of two brothers right tom cruise is kind of this narcissistic uh kind of businessman he's got his own uh car dealership he's really shady he's a shady businessman and he's uh he's got a load of lamborghinis that he needs to to sell but he's definitely a swindler he's, yeah for yeah sure. his his financial backing uh falls through and around the same time he finds out that his father who he's estranged from um has, has passed away, and so he, he goes to Ohio uh, for the reading of the will and uh, the closure of the estate and things of that nature, and it's there that he discovers the only thing he received from a multimillion-dollar will is uh, a used car, uh, which he stole when he was a teenager and got in trouble for, and his dad called the cops on him and had him spend the night in jail. Uh, for, for stealing it Even though he you know he never asked For anything he asked permission and his dad told Him no and he took it anyways uh, Right which was a, a Buick Like a like an old school uh, Buick Really nice Buick um, Classic car And some rose bushes that his dad Loved that's what he And, <laughs> and he finds out that uh, uh, The bulk of the will Had went to uh, His brother whom he didn't even know Existed and his brother is in a institution, uh, um, it's called Walbrook, um, in Cincinnati. And he goes Which to is a real to, place. Yeah. Also. He, he goes to, um, uh, to Walbrook to, to, uh, see his brother, find out what's going on with the will. And I guess maybe kinda, he comes up with a scheme after he finds out his brother has autism, um, to kind of kidnap his brother and take him to L.A. with him until uh, the executors of the will co- come around to his way of thinking and kind of, you know, give him what he feels is, is is due, his birthright. Um, right. And along along the way, he actually develops kind of a um, an affection for his brother uh, after a long series of events um, <laughs> that he kind of discovers that, you know, he, he's – he's, he's really got a family and a family that he can really, you know, learn a family that he really never experienced that he gets to maybe take part in now that he has a brother, but he has to learn to, to live with someone who has autism and their, their uh, nuances and their mannerisms. And that like the, any little thing that can can set him off at any given time. Um, uh, this movie is, I mean, it's, it's funny it cra- it really cracked me up, but it's underlying all that co- underneath all that comedy is a very real uh, social um, social statement on on the uh, on the disease and yeah, it's something I, I that I think
0: I think that, uh, this is uh one of those rare movies that whenever you watched it, if you were lucky enough to watch it whenever it first came out, it actually came out almost as a comedy. But as yeah. you grow older, you yeah. outgrow the comedy part of it, and you see the un, not the unfortunate part of being autistic, but like you said, the social impact of becoming aware right. of right. autism and how and how these people have to get through their life. So it it's a it's a movie that uh, transcends its uh, time a little bit, and I'm looking at it, and IMDB gives it a 8.0. And its meta score is only 65. So this is a movie that even though if you were to watch it now, it still stands up. It's still funny. It has a lot of Very great scenes so. in it. Yeah. But uh, it's it's also a movie that um, uh, people don't know what to do, don't know what to think of it still. Or, or, or it's either lost some of its charm or it overplayed the autistic part enough that uh, it, uh, with modern ratings coming in to IMDb, uh, its its score has actually gone down over time, even though it won four Oscars and was nominated like fifty times between the Oscars and the Globes and SAGs and everything else.
1: Yeah, well, eight's eight's far too low. This is this is far too good of a movie across the board, yeah. and it's it's really a movie that should be relevant today, um, because right, I mean the the most recognizable person in America has an autistic son, right? Our president. Right. <laughs> um, right. So, uh, I mean, everybody knows somebody with autism and it's, it's, it's crazy how, oh. uh, and I've been around my friends and their kids. Um, and, and it's, it's different. I mean, you, you, you have to behave differently around them. You have to learn how to adjust to their needs and, mm-hmm. and, and what's going to, Keep them from getting upset and things like that, and it's something I think that um, people should be aware of. Um, and, and they are, but uh, more so, it's well, something yeah, that needs research. Than and than
0: at the time of this movie, because back then you were still able to throw around the, uh, you know, call people a retard or whatever, you know, and, and right, uh, right, uh, 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 Raymond. Uh, obviously, of course, is far from that uh, being the mathematical genius that he was just purely by accident because of the way his mind worked. Right. And uh, uh, his uh, the his brain operates on a spectrum that most people can't comprehend or understand. And, you know, as as people were usually naturally afraid of what we don't understand. And, Absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, so many people over the course of time uh in history probably have been completely dismissed as lunatics or just idiots or whatever because they were autistic and they were probably tapping into something that uh could be very helpful
1: yeah uh, I believe that a hundred percent um you know i don't think this is something that's new, however, I think this is something that is um that that is a growing um I don't, I don't want to use the wrong word. I don't want to use epidemic, but it's a growing, it's a growing issue. Uh, our and awareness
0: uh, and, and the yeah. ability to test for it has grown exponentially. Our, our niece, uh, Angie and I's niece, who is autistic, was diagno- <laughs> uh, diagnosed fairly quickly and fairly early uh, in her learning years. Probably between two and three, she was showing up as being on the autistic spectrum. And uh, watching uh, Maddie grow up, and seeing what she responds to, and what uh, sets her off, and also what entertains her—like, like one of the biggest highlights—at least once or twice a week, she has to do a FaceTime phone call with Aunt Angie because that's part of her deal. And yeah. if she doesn't get to do it, then no, she it, gets a little it, bit moody.
1: Yeah. It completely you know? fucks them up. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and you know, and- with her grandma being Momo Juice, we we definitely we uh, definitely get to uh, uh, deal with uh, uh, Angie. Angie and uh, uh, can't put into words how much she enjoys dealing with Maddie and and the fact that they're able to connect in this very simple way, and it's such a big piece of Maddie's week, almost almost every week of her fucking life, like getting that a little bit of FaceTime to be able to wave at a and Angie and everything. Uh, the awareness of autism has changed dramatically in, in the 32 years since this movie has come out.
1: Yeah. It's, it's something that needs to be addressed. It's something that needs researched and it's, it's something that needs to be corrected because I, for one really feel like it's something that's a correctable, um, Disease. I, I think there that it can be cured and there's been, um, there's been testimonials to that, to that fact. There's books, there's even a doctor here in Buckeye, I believe that's written a book about how to reverse, um, the symptoms of autism. Um, so it's yeah, something I, that
0: I, I don't, um, because I was also listening to something, uh, else where, um, the reversal or correction of autism, um, Maybe that's not the word that we're looking for, but the fact that they're able to—they um, call it integrate—they call it integrate, they call it, in, integrate into a, more of a social norm. Instead of being yeah. an outcast or an outsider, they're able to integrate themselves, or we're more acceptable to allowing them to be part of normal day-to-day stuff instead of being looked at like. In 1988, Raymond was put in a fucking institution for God. Yeah, he was,
1: he was, he was,
0: was, he he was was kind of a
1: freak. I mean that, you know, um, but yeah, they call it an awakening now where people just wake up from, from their autistic state and become normal. So there's something that needs, that needs to be done about it because it's a growing, uh, it's a growing issue and it's, there's more and more (laughs) diagnosis every year, um, and it's it's something we need to be aware of, so that's that's why I put that on my list um for me personally it's it's kind of a personal thing right now, yeah, so yeah, no,
0: totally get it yeah and the and the social awareness has created better testing, so that way we're getting we're getting results on people who may be showing up on the autistic spectrum, and also um hopefully it's not overlooked, uh, but, uh, reading up on it, you know, having a niece that my wife talks to a couple times a week or as much as she can, um, reading up on it, uh, uh, these people are able to see hear, and feel in a spectrum that we are not used to or not as aware as they are. So it, actually I think the opposite is true where we need to be, Uh, expose more to how they see and feel things instead of us understanding it, I think we need to really tap into that spectrum of the mind that they're accessing that uh, uh, normal people so to speak, aren't privy to. Uh, I think that there's something incredibly inspirational in, in finding out what that autistic spectrum is and allowing a person to express it. Maybe they become you know, an in, incredibly talented artist or in, in the case of the movie, he's an incredibly talented mathematician. Um, right. but uh, autism takes on these many roles and these many shapes. And the mm-hmm. fact that we're exposing ourselves and, and giving acceptance to it, we're looking into these, uh, lanes that these people are, are in their form of autism and trying to see the world through their eyes is something that is, uh, helpful and uh the fact that we're socially aware enough that we're able to talk about it without demeaning these people and looking for a way to help them is right. something super fucking important you know because at the end of the day they're fucking people too you know yeah and uh and finding out what their talent is they may you know they they may be tapping into something that you'll never fucking understand but there'll be a world-class talent in it yeah. um uh you know i think that's a a really big deal really big deal and the fact that just looking at this i didn't realize it before we started talking about it on imdb and metascore such a low rating attached to it i just don't fucking understand it because this is a it is an all-time great movie
1: right absolutely it is
0: released as kind of a comedy drama and mm-hmm. at the same time uh a uh, a mirror of society as uh, maybe a mirror of society that in 1988, they weren't ready to look at themselves that way. But since then it stands up and watches just as well now as it did then.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And that's, that's, uh, you know, I, anytime it's on TV, I'll watch it. I'll sit there. I'll quote it. Um, yeah, kind of just right. being silly, <laughs> but at the same time, <laughs> You know, it's there. There's a, a certain silliness about it, but you know the chemistry I think between uh, Tom Cruise and and Dustin Hoffman in this really elevates this movie to another level of of greatness. So,
0: yeah, they uh, the way that they were able to play off of each other and the and the uh, direction of Barry Levinson and the uh, writer of the story was Barry Morrow, who uh, also goes on to write quite a few other things uh, and, and moves into the screenplay part of it. Ronald Bass actually uh, did the screenplay adaption of the story. But um, I th- I, if I'm not mistaken, one of the more popular Hollywood legends uh, that uh, kind of revolves around this movie is at the beginning Hoffman and Tom Cruise were fairly antagonistic towards each other.
1: Yeah. I don't think they, they got along well uh off screen. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe that kind of adds to the whole to the whole element um of 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 it on the screen. Uh you can kind of see that there's a little bit of a a little bit of A little bit of animosity, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and like and, most 80s movies uh or movies from the 80s, this definitely gives a tip tip of the cap to the uh Excessiveness of the decade, you know. Uh, uh, Charlie Babbitt is a an exotic car car dealer who's dealing with Lamborghinis yeah. and Ferraris by the by the boatload. Literally, he has an entire uh, boat uh, or a shipment of a hundred plus cars he has to get in and and everything. And uh, uh, definitely a, another movie and that shows how the '80s were, you know, being so super excessive and the fact that he's got, you know. 20 cars, uh, stuck in, uh, uh, stuck in limbo. <laughs> yeah. Stuck in limbo. He's got a million dollars of fucking, uh, in, in impound. Uh, yeah. he's worried about tomorrow's 20 bucks,
1: yeah. which is a yeah.
0: perfect depiction of how the eighties operated.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it really did. The whole, you're right. You're right about that. <gasps> cool. So that's a, that's
0: definitely a big Oscar, uh, and yep, they won picture. six.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They won six Globes too, and and over all of the uh, award platforms, they had like fifty fucking nominations from this movie. So, all right, so that's uh, number six for Joe. That's my number, uh, six, my number yep. six. My number six is uh, from 1973. IMDb gives it a 8.2. It's Metascore is only 75, uh, which is uh, funny to me uh, because uh, this movie is, again, we're talking about influential. So I tried to stay in that vein as much as possible with all of my selections. Um, this movie sets the standard for all horror movies to follow. You've got a little bit of quasi-religion. You've got a little bit of quasi-occult. Uh, uh, the Devil is definitely coming to see us. And uh, you've got... Uh, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> you've got a uh, major powerhouse of actors for its time. These are not household names in you know 2020, but at the time, Ellen Burstyn, Max Van sedow Linda Blair, Jason Miller, directed by William Friedkin, uh, written by, uh, you know, William, William Peter uh, Blatty, which that book uh, stayed on the uh, New York Times bestseller list for, I believe it was close to two years, well over a year. It stayed on, like, the top ten of the New York Times bestseller list, and then it was immediately made into a movie. And, uh, um Uh, People were scared to go see it. People actually left the theater during the viewing of it in 1973. It freaked everybody out so fucking much. And uh, you can't think of the horror genre without thinking of The Exorcist. And with modern horror, you can't think of uh, the great, great horror movies without seeing the influence of The Exorcist being in it. And uh, you see there's so many iconic scenes. Linda Blair just fucking beating the shit out of herself with the crucifix, puking all over the place, levitating over the scene. Such a huge, scary scene, especially yeah. in 1973. Um, um, Father Karras, uh battling the uh, voices of the demon whenever he brings up his mom. Uh, the she's battling cancer and dying, and he's, and, and uh, the demon or the devil is like, oh, she'll be so much better here with all of us, and and uh, just um, showing the Catholic Church in a way that was so controversial, especially in 1973. Even today, if this was a first-time-run movie today, it would it would cause so much sensationalism just like it did back then. Thank God they didn't have social media at this point in time, because uh, uh, people who went to the theaters literally went running out of it, screaming fucking crazy. This movie's an aberration and it's fucking, you know, it's the devil and all this other stuff.
1: There would definitely be a furor over this.
0: Oh, good Lord. Yeah. It would just be insane. Uh, uh, but, uh, it it didn't create any careers so to speak other than linda blair uh, everybody's interest in her from being the exorcist girl to growing up but she didn't like really move into anything really big hollywood wise other than a couple like tv shows and whatnot yeah. but, um uh it just it, it is the gold standard of a horror movie if anybody wants to have huge horror success they wish and pray the audience would react in a way that they did to the exorcist and there's only been a couple movies who've ever ever been able to approach that kind of social outcry and and reaction and panic and i mean this movie literally caused fucking panic and it it uh really upset a lot of people it was boycotted in certain areas of the country like it was released in 73 but in certain parts of the country, you didn't get to see it until 1974, or 75, because of the way that it came out, and um, so its box office run was actually extended because of that, and the box office numbers uh, were wildly successful because of the outrageous movie that it was, first of its kind, the way that it was filmed, and and all of that stuff. The box office numbers for 1973 worldwide. Uh, or almost 117 million, which in today's dollars is is damn near a billion dollar movie. It was 700 million. It you know if you translate it, it's 700 million dollars for today's dollars. And uh, in 1973, a horror movie that's like occult based and just like one genre that should only attract one out of ten people actually ended up attracting everybody. And uh freaking the fucking shit out of everybody in America. nothing yeah. like that had been done other than rosemary's baby um but the fact that the devil fights the church or the church fights the devil, this is like completely untouched ground at that point in time so uh definitely a first of its kind and and a one of a kind as far as how the public reacted to it i i I don't know if you can actually name a movie. That the public reacted that viscerally to to how it was done.
1: Uh, certainly not really these days, because <clears throat> I mean it's all been done now. But it, you know, at the time, you're dealing with supernatural evil, and yeah. <clears throat> and back in you know '70s Hollywood, that was something that really, I mean, you didn't you didn't go near too much. It, you were it was just kind of starting to like you said with rosemary's baby and then um it was a couple of other movies uh night of the living dead and things like that it was just starting yeah. to to really get out there you know on the screen but but no you're absolutely right
0: so uh there's not much more to say uh i don't think uh whatever no. you bring up the excuses <laughs> uh you know i mean that's that's it's it's kind of the beginning and the end of of how horror is judged other than zombie movies which uh you know that that has its own deal but as far as a a horror movie or the occult versus the catholic church or religion i mean there isn't anything that comes anywhere i mean there's nothing that's even in the same sentence uh as as the exorcist was that's for sure
1: i'll say one movie that's um one uh, series that's really, really, to me, kind of close that's come out recently is the Conjuring series, um, which is kind of almost along the same lines. Um, yeah, that that would be
0: a mon- modern day uh, contemporary.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, but those, the, uh, those movies are completely creepy to me. Um, yeah,
0: totally. Those are hard to watches.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. it's it's kind of like you can't. Look away once you're watching you just can't um and that's... the one
0: thing that set the the two of them apart is whenever the Exorcist came out in nineteen seventy three You have a total of twenty three nominations between the Oscars and the Golden Globes. They won two Oscars and won four globes um that's something that the conjuring i don't I don't know if they have that much. Critical I, I, acclaim or Academy? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't right. think
1: they they do at all. Um, that doesn't make mm-hmm. it any but less. The
0: Conjuring would be a modern day uh, comparison. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, that's fucking creepy shit. Um, yeah,
0: it was, and it and it still is. Like my wife yeah. still won't watch it.
1: She yeah. refuses
0: to watch it. And I don't know why I even want to, but on times whenever I do want to watch it, like around Halloween season, whenever all the movies are coming out,
1: yeah, I'm you like, got. Yeah, it. I'm
0: gonna sit down and watch yeah. Exorcist this year. She's like, nope, fuck on that. I'm not doing. <laughs>
1: fuck on that. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 de- <laughs> it's definitely one of those ones where you shut the blinds, you um uh, lock the doors, you know, Uh yeah. and you keep the lights on. But yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you definitely keep the lights on for it. Even now, I've probably watched it, you know, 50 times. I'm not going to sit there in the dark and fall asleep to watch the it. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. Well, I'll turn on something no. else, you know, before yeah. I fall asleep. That's for sure. Uh, it's definitely one of those movies that just hits you in the subconscious, you know, because of, you know, both the, both you and I were raised as uh, Catholics. I consider myself a recovering Catholic and and having anything that assaults your senses that way,
1: uh, yeah, definitely yeah. not a
0: bedtime story. That's for goddamn sure.
1: No, I didn't, and I didn't wasn't able to even watch it until uh, I was an adult and out of the house because that was a movie that <laughs> didn't go anywhere near. Um, <laughs> and I come from uh, you know a family that we watch movies and stuff, you know. Um, so yeah, I didn't watch it until years, years, years after it came uh-huh. out.
0: It, uh, to think about it, actually, as growing up all the way um, through high school, even though I worked into in a comic book and movie store and blah, blah, blah in high school and still lived at home, this was not a movie that was actually openly discussed by, by my father, to be honest. I found this movie and was able to watch it without him knowing about it or whatever, and after he found out I watched it, he was like, Jesus Christ, why the fuck would you watch that? uh but uh yeah it definitely definitely a game changer and everything yeah. since then has to be compared to it even though it can't actually compare but uh it it's uh definitely the founding of a huge genre of movies to come in in 40 years since
1: most definitely most definitely
0: okay so, so that uh concludes our first five of the series so now we're moving into Five to one. So uh what's your number five, bro?
1: Well uh let's go ahead and kill it right now. I didn't realize it was almost midnight. So you okay. Can we pick up uh five through one to, like tomorrow night or yeah
0: man, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be yeah. home. I'll be home the same time, uh uh nine o'clock your time or whatever close close thereabouts, so we can knock out the other part of it. And okay. I should be able to edit this uh all down so that way we have a
1: two hour about an hour five minutes, two hour episode okay. here. Cool. So yeah, we'll just close it out and be like uh you know, so that's that's if you want to just rerun that last part, be like that's our top ten, top ten through six.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll record a quick close to
1: it uh
0: okay. to wrap it up and then set us okay. up for five through one cool cool man good episode
1: yeah so that's 10 through 6 until next time bring your squeegee don't
0: get any on you
1: all right right, bro so yeah you cut out some of that uh